Hey everybody, JP from JP Ross in the Scene Podcast back again. Boy, I'll tell you, doing these things, I sure do realize that I have met a lot of great people and interesting people. Today I've got Greg Rudd, a good friend of mine. He's a tremendous artist. Uh, he, most people know him from his pottery, but he does a lot of great artistic work. And he does a lot of help to the community in Inlet, New York, in the Adirondacks. Greg's got some great stories talking about his family and growing up in the Adirondacks. Um, just a good, happy guy and just great stories. So here we go in the scene. Hope you enjoy it. So first of all, introduce yourself to everybody. And then I let's tell, let's first tell the story about what you woke up to this morning. Oh, gosh. <laughs> go ahead. Well, um, uh, my name's uh, Greg Rudd. I live in Inlet, New York, uh, in the Adirondacks. Yeah, this morning uh, we woke up to about 14 inches of beautiful snow. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just too early. That's all I can say. It happens, but it's not it that does. often. And that's a lot for no, for yes. an election day, right? Uh, well, there you go. That's all. <laughs> and there you go. Yeah, I hear it. Did you get it cleaned up? Did you end up getting it gone? No. <laughs> no? It... I, got a, I have a brand new side-by-side with a winch plow and something happened to the winch and so now I'm trying to get a hold of Polaris down in Utica to come pick it up to see what they got to do to fix oh, it. Oh boy! All right. Well, yeah. I if for what it's worth, we we pulled the boat lifts out at my dad's house, and I don't know if I I've got a I've got a pretty powerful worn winch on the Jeep. Yeah. There was a little bit of little bit of uh, ratchety teeth noise going Ooh. on a little bit, which I think was a stone or something that was yeah. in there. Yeah. I, I I would think it's sealed up, but I think it might be down kind of like in the in the arbor in there but yeah. it seemed to go away but maybe it's not a good year for winches <laughs> i don't know <laughs> so well thanks <laughs> thank you for doing this it's really yeah you know, i really appreciate it the whole idea in this is is i really wanted to document and talk to people that i am am glad i know and that have a lot of insight so to speak into who they are as a person and what they like and, and stuff like that. And I, you know, uh, I think we're good friends. I look up to you as yeah. well as an artist and a, and a outdoorsman. So um, tell us a little bit about your, your self and your, and, and who you are now and growing up and stuff real quick readers digest biography, sure. I guess. All right. Well, uh, like I said, I, I, I live in Inlet. I grew up in Inlet. Um, my family, my grandfather moved up here in the 1920s, and uh, I went away to college in the 70s, got a job teaching. I was an art teacher for 31 and a half years, um, and now I'm retired from teaching. I'm back in Inlet again with my wife, and we own a, a rental business. We have cabin rentals, plus I have a, a pottery studio and shop, uh, so, and um you know, we're we're back in the Adirondacks. If you said to me ten years ago, "This is what you're gonna do," I'm, I would probably say you're out of your mind. But uh, <laughs> you know, really, even but, ten years ago, huh? You would say that? Yeah, <laughs> I would say no. Five years ago. <laughs> but, well, so uh, why? So so first of all, I I'll just let everybody know that you guys do have these great cabins up in Inlet, and we'll make sure that you that that you have a chance to talk about how to get a hold of you on those. Sure. Um, for your business and stuff and you're a very uh talented artist and potter i've i've bought a, a lot of stuff from you that and i expect to get some more stuff for jp ross uh from you but seriously so five even five years ago you were thinking eh, i don't know and i know you used to you used to see my parents a lot down in florida and everything so yeah. what what happened well you know uh, what it <laughs> Is Short, it a good? Is it a good story? I hope. Or no, it? it is. You know, um, one day we we've had the house since uh, 2002, and uh, after I retired from teaching, my wife and I were up here, and she said, "You know, I'm just tired of moving back and forth." And I said, "Well, tell me where you want to live. If you want to live down in Deerfield, or do you want to live in here in Inlet?" I, I I said I was I was totally ambivalent. You know, whatever. I'm fine. Whatever you want to do. And she said, "Well, you know what." I think I'd like to live in Inlet. I said, well, let's make sure before, because, you know, it's a, it's a real, for people that don't know what they're getting themselves into, it can be a real, real shock, uh, you know, um, in March, uh, you know, especially when it's kind of mud season and it's, 
it's the snow's too sloppy to do anything. You can't ski or snowmobile, or and it's too cold to be out doing yard work because there's still snow. But um, but anyways, um, so we moved back up here. It would be full time three years ago, um, and then all of a sudden she said, you know, maybe we could put it in rental cabins, and here and the rest is history. Here we are, you know. And, yeah. And, uh, um, we moved up. Uh, I think what the month was. I moved. I just started throwing stuff in the trailer and moving it up here and moving it in the house. You know, it was just a, uh, looking back on it, I did it by myself. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. I just started one room and working one room through the house. And That's cool. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, we don't regret it at all. Yeah. You know, it's been a good move all the way around. Uh, you know, we, we love the area. I, we said that um, we've done more in three years in the community here being involved in the community than we did living in Deerfield for over 30 years. Yeah. You know, and it, uh, and, and I think, in all honesty, I think we were more secluded in a sense in Deerfield than we are here because in Deerfield, you know, everything's delivered. You get garbage pickup, you get your mail delivered. You don't have to go out of the house or go to the grocery store, come home and that's it. I mean, here, you know, you, you, you gotta be social, put it that way. You know, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. I kind you know, um, yeah. So, and here we are. <laughs> well, um, we'll, we'll try to get back into, if you have time, we can talk about that a little bit um, towards you, towards the end of the podcast. But um, one of the things I did want to have you touch upon, because as I get older and stuff, I regret that I didn't spend more time with uh, my grandparents and stuff and, and sure. hear more stories and stuff and you've got some great stories about your family and uh <laughs> well you know you guys did when you guys when you when your family moved up here i think that's really where you should start you know what was it like sure up there back then and tell some tell us some of the stories of the uh-huh. progression sure well my my grandfather moved up here and i think it was in 1920 it was in 1927 or 28 and uh he built and he, it was actually the, the building that he moved. It was a boathouse down on the channel between Fourth and Fifth Lake that he moved up to where Route 28 is now and uh, put an addition on it and turned it into a grocery store. And uh, he ran it from 19, I, I think I think 28 or 27. But anyways, he moved up here because he had tuberculosis, to be honest with you. That's why he came up. I didn't um, know that. And the family farm was in Deerfield and come to find out it was only three miles as a crow flies for where I lived for 30, 30 some odd years. Um, and it's still there. It's not a, it's not the Rudd farm anymore, but um, I can trace it back to the 1790s that the Rudds were there. So wow. uh, there was a Rudd born there. So obviously there was other family members, you know, mm-hmm. and then um, anyway, so he built the grocery store. It was a red and white grocery store, which was a, you know, a franchise, I guess, or I don't know if it was a consortium or what it was, but he had a red and white grocery store in Inlet, and his brother had a red and white grocery store in Fabius. And um, you know, when he moved up here in the 20s, Route 28, as you know it now, of course, goes all the way to Racket, Blue Mountain, up through the Adirondacks. It didn't go that far. Uh, it, I think it stopped at Seventh Lake, and that was it. They finally went to Racket, I think it was in the 30s. Um, don't quote me on that, but, uh, you know, it was, so that was all, that was all the Browns track railroad back then, right? So in order well, to get the racket, it was, all, it was the Browns track route, I believe. Well, the Browns track, wasn't it? the Browns track railroad, right. That, uh, Vanderbilt's and Morgan's, they all took into racket. Um, that didn't become a road until after they pulled the tracks up. Uh, okay. now that being said, like I said, route 28 only went as far as inlet. And then after inlet, it, it was just trails. And then, um, but, but anyway, so he ran it from 28 until 56. And then my father and my mother bought it from him. Uh, he and my grandmother. Or, and we had it from 56 until 91, I believe it was. My dad died in 90, and I think my mom ran it another year. And then she turned it into an antique shop she had all sorts of knickknacks and stuff in there and then she sold it to ted christadero he has pedals and pedals bike shop in there but uh mm-hmm. 
you know, I've, I've gone in there numerous times and, and it's like uh, nostalgia waving over your face. It's, I mean, it's, it's the same walk-in cooler that was there that my grandfather built upstairs. It's still there. They still use it. Uh, you know, um, even though the layout's changed a little bit, I, there was a hole in the floor that had a ball bearing hammered into it to clog it for whatever the hole was. I don't know, but it's still there, you know, and, and uh, but we had the kitchen off of the grocery store. And then upstairs we had the, you know, a living room and bedrooms and bathrooms. Um, yeah, you know, and we lived right there. Uh, and uh, then, you know, we lived at the business and my dad always said, you know, it didn't make any difference. It was Christmas or Thanksgiving. If people needed milk, we were there or whatever, they could come anytime, you know, and the, Numerous times mm-hmm. people would stop on, you know, holidays or, or uh, at night, you know, gee, can I come down? Or sometimes people would stop and just leave money on the counter because for whatever reason, mom wasn't right there. One of us wasn't there. Um, um, my brothers and I always worked in the grocery store from when we got done with Little League. Um, before our jobs at the store was before Little League, we had to sort bottles and do that kind of stuff. But then after we got done with little league at like, I think it was 12 years old. We had, you know, we had, we were expected to work in the store and that's just the way it was. I mean, you know, Hey, he, he ate. So he, he had, he had to do something for it, I guess. But, um, I mean, that being said, I, I kind of took over the, the meat cutting. I always worked from eight in the morning and my one shift was always eight to one. And, and I did all the meat cutting and I did all the, um, stocking of the vegetables and sorting of the fruit and all that. And uh, I liked it because next thing you know, it was one o'clock and shift was over, you know, and then mm-hmm. we always switched off. Night shift was from six to three. I mean, I'm sorry, from six to three. Oh my gosh. No, six to nine. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. my brothers and I, we always kind of, you know, one would work one night, one would work there. We'd always rotated it, put it that way. And then when we got, right. and then we had a propane business that, uh, and an appliance business also we ran that when you got your driver's license, um, you know, then it was time to go out and deliver gas or fix appliances, install hot water heaters or furnaces or whatever, whatever, you know, uh, you know, in the wintertime, uh, my brother and I always laugh at that ice road truckers show because I mean, we were driving racket Lake. That's how we delivered gas on racket. You know, um, you would go. The camps that we delivered gas to, we always did it in the wintertime because you could drive, you know, right up along the shoreline and go to like Suckerbrook Bay or we go out on Big Island or um, Lonesome, you know, any places you, you didn't have road access to. And that's what you did. There's got to be some, there's got to be some good stories uh, with yeah, those. That you must have got yeah. stuck and stuff My too, right? I always said, uh, drive with the window open. And if you go through the ice, look for the dark spot because that's where you went through, you know. <laughs> and that was are you kidding wow. me? But, uh, you know, yeah. he just said, uh, <laughs> he said, hold your breath. As long as you can. It's like going to, it's like going to oh, war and you're at the devices. Don't yeah. get killed. You know, I mean, and, and you know, it's, uh, so, I mean, yeah, I so said we got snow, but it, we got snow this morning. Okay. But the snow that we used to get, um, this is nothing compared to what we used to get. My mom always had a running tally, um, there at the grocery store. She had a little chart that she always kept on the wall, how much snow we had. And one year we had over 450 inches of snow. Um, she had a picture of my brothers and I, my brother Gary and I standing on the snowbank, And we were right even with the second story of the store, you know. <laughs> so we used to get a and, and And then, you know, now they salt the roads. And the roads are so much better than they used to be. Uh, back when I was growing up, uh, they sanded. And I can still see the guy standing, sitting they would get on the back of the dump truck and they would tilt the truck. They didn't have automatic sanders and they would shovel, you know, they, and they went from inlet all the way to, uh, I think all the way to Blue Mountain Lake, sand in the road like that, you know, and that was, it was, it was different, you know, and then a couple of yeah, times in winter, they would come through with the, the graders and the, the tractors and they would bust the ice off the road because the ice would build up over the winter to the point where, it would be right even with the second concrete step of the store. Well, if you slipped, you know, I mean, theoretically you could slide right across the road because it was such a steep pitch, you know? But yeah. Wow. Now, was it always paved? Yeah. Was well, 28 always? From what, yeah. From what I remember, yeah, it was always paved. Uh, 
Lyle, the Yonkers yeah. Road, like we were talking about earlier, that's the old Browns track. That's the old uh, railroad bed that went into Racket. That was never you you that was never paved until probably fifteen twenty years ago. I would say. Yeah, I remember that. I remember and that they, paved. Yeah, and they would actually. never they would never open the road up until after Memorial Day because it was just you know it was mud it, and it was deep mud. Yeah. 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 So how about your your family was helping out the community up there. So the number of people back then through to now, how has it has it changed? Or has it always been about the well, same? Yeah, no, it has changed because I, I remember as a kid seeing in the, in the state atlas, Inlet had 400 and it was 449 people in it. And now it's just over 300, I believe. And out of those 300, I would dare say most of them are retirees, you know, which, you know, the, the dynamics of the town have changed, absolutely, in the sense that, uh, you know, every family had kids, a lot of kids. Um, you know, I, I think of like Haru's, there's five kids there. Uh, Ponders, I think, had six kids. We had three kids. Dunes, four. I mean, you can go up and down the road, you know. Um, the Inlet School, the elementary school here in Inlet, um, granted, there was in my class, there was only five kids. I was the only boy in my class till we went to Old Forge, uh, which maybe that explains a lot. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how long did you go to uh, Inlet? Kindergarten to sixth so, grade. And then seventh that, grade was seventh through twelve. You went up to Old Forge, yeah. went down to Old Forge. Yeah. yeah. Old Forge. But you know, like I said, there's a lot more kids and, and a lot more family businesses, um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and family ran it. Um, you, you, I mean, there would, whoever thought that, who would ever think that contractors had, would have to hire somebody outside of town to come in and work for them? You know, and that's what right. they do now. I mean, and that's because the, the I think it's because, well, the people aren't there. The workers aren't there it, for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the biggest being the the, you, you can't afford to come up here and uh, it's hard to put it this way. Yes, you can, but it's hard to afford to live up here, you know, on, a, on just one job. You got to have a lot of different jobs, you know. I mean, even though I'm right. retired, we're still, we have the cabin rentals, we have the pottery studio, we have a shop, you know, so there's different <laughs> venues there for uh, income. Was, was it, so, I'm, you know, I grew up there and, and when I was a kid, I was a dishwasher at Eckerson's restaurant. And, and if I could, you know, do it again, I, I, I would, I loved being up there and stuff. Um, and my parents had their camp, so we never really like lived up there. We, we were, we were seasonal people, but we were there a lot of the year and stuff. And there was a noticeable change of the sure. seasons where it was kind of busy and then all of a sudden right. it wouldn't be that busy. Did Was that a progression over time where uh, there's you started to kind of have commuters or as long as you can remember, were there, was there always summer homes and, and, and a change in well, it, population? It, it, yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, it's it's definitely changed. Again, the dynamics have changed over the years. Because, you know, when I was growing up, there was a lot of kids camps on Fourth Lake. There was Camp Eagle Grove, you know. Yeah. Um, and I remember when Cedar Island was a kids camp. Um, and then you had, of course, you had Racket Lake Girls Camp and the Boys Camp. You had Camp Echo for girls, uh, you know, and, and now and, and Camp Gorm and Big Moose. Um, so, you know, in the summertime, there was always that influx of kids, uh, the campers you know, and uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. And plus, and, and, and also, you know, when the season, you said when the seasons changed, you know, once Labor Day weekend hit, um, like there were kids that I grew up with that I never saw in the summertime because, you know, I was, th- I'm thinking like the Payne family. I never saw like uh, Bob Payne and his brothers and sister because they were up on Seventh Lake and they ran the boat marina and they had their seaplane service and they were busy doing that, you know, and, um, you know, yeah. my friend Tim Ponder, uh, he worked uh, at Rocky Point, you know, and uh, so he worked there doing, you know, lawn work and stuff, like, you know, just general maintenance kind of stuff as that a teenager would do. 
but again, we never saw each other until school started basically, you know, and, and, that, and that's when you kind of got back mm-hmm. together again. Um, and then, and then another thing that changed too, is that, you know, um, like today it's hard for people to get away for a week at a time. I mean, even in our cabin rentals, I, I said to my wife, you know, you notice the majority of people that come up to stay and, and people that stay in the motels around the area, three, three days is average. I, I would say, um, Five would be a lot of time. You know, it's hard for people to get away from work, for one. Now, when I was growing up, you know, it was a lot of family camps. And mom would come up with the kids for the summer. Dad would come up on the weekends. And then it was usually like the last week of August, or last week of July, first week of August, like Kodak would shut down and Xerox would shut down and IBM would shut down. And, and that's when dad, the father, you know, dad would come up for, a week or two weeks, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of changed too a lot. You know, that, 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 uh, again, that dynamic has changed too. Yeah. yeah that whole lifestyle has changed a lot. It's still, we notice it, um, you know, where I work that Europe still shuts right. down in the right. summer, but, but even, even that is, is noticeably sure. changing at the, you know, for some reason, human beings are trying to be busier and, I guess collect more stuff or whatever the hell we're trying to do to, to make ourselves exactly. more miserable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's interesting point too, because the summer vacations and stuff yeah. were different then, you know, and I think about, you know, I've got my kids and there, there is, there is not an inventory of, of camps that right. kids can go to right. in the summertime anymore. And, uh... And that was popular oh, back then with you, right? There were a lot of camps. The kids would come up for eight weeks, you know. They would, and now I think it's yeah. a six-week stint. And last I knew, the Racket Lake Boys and Girls Camp was like 15000 I think it was. I mean, again, don't quote me on that. But, you know, it's not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me. So, right. You know, and, yeah. And then, you know, it, again, when Labor Day hit, um, we see all the locals kind of got back together. All you know, all those kids got back together, and that's you know, it was nothing for us. Like in the wintertime, we would be playing hockey. Um, the hockey rink at that time was down on the parking lot at the town hall, or sometimes we would just take shovels and shovel a spout on our fourth lake. You know, uh, we'd play hockey till mm-hmm. one, yeah. two o'clock in the morning. You know, um, we played uh, gosh, I remember right up through high school, you know, we played. Believe it or not, hide and seek and kick the can, uh, capture the flag and games like that, you know. You know, and, and, mm-hmm. I, and I remember distinctly with, uh, you know, with my brothers and I and friends, we, I'd say to my mom, we're going to go camping. Well, where are you going? Well, we're going to Cascade Lake for a couple couple days. Well, be careful. I'll see you when you get back. It's okay. Today? You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. And you have kids. You are right. a teacher and yeah. you have children. And, and, I, and I, I would – you know, I would really have to think twice about it. My youngest is 28. I'd have to think twice about, you know, you're always, you know, you always got thoughts in the back of your head. What could happen? So, you know. Yeah, sure. I think anybody, I'm, I mean, I'm 44 and I wrote, I would, we would leave Eagle Bay and uh, many times we'd ride our bikes sure. to, to yep. Big Moose. Uh yep. You know, God, we would take the snowmobile trail, and we never got to Old Forge on the snowmobile trail, but yeah. we got real far. I mean, we'd get way down towards uh, Dakers and stuff like that, and then we would usually get distracted because we yeah, would, you know, you go into the woods stuff. and find some yeah. pond or something. Yeah, we, you know, we would, but uh, yeah, and and yeah. that was normal, and it was it's yeah. same old thing: be home, exactly, be home yeah. when the streetlights come on, kind of thing, yeah. or something, or check in. Mom you know? would throw us out and say, so, you know. Um, too nice to be indoors. Get out. <laughs> right. Well, we had a podcast also with these with uh, Doug and Lucas Smith, and they were talking about they're great outdoors mm-hmm. outdoorsmen, young guys, and they were saying that growing up, their their family, their their grandmother, when they would go stay at their grandmother's place, she would say, "Get outside until lunch. Get, Come oh, in and absolutely. eat, and then get back yeah. outside." Yeah. And. Uh, that's that that created yeah, oh, who they absolutely. are today. You know, um, no, and, and I mean, I mean uh, on another note, that we're you know talking about my grandfather and my, and my dad. Like my dad, believe it or not, when he was fourteen, 
he was a cookie or cook's assistant, I should say. He was a cookie, not a cook, in the lumber camps back in on uh, Third Lake Creek for C.J. Strife, you know. No way. And, uh, you know, and uh, he wanted to stay right in there year-round, and and Strife threw him out and said, no, you're going home, (laughs) you know. You know, but uh, that was my father, you know, and he did that. My great-grandmother was a cook in the lumber camps. Um. You know, I had a picture of her someplace, you know, with a hundred pound sack of flour on one shoulder and a barrel on the other shoulder. And I'm like, yeah, you know? but yeah, yeah. again, yeah. tough stock, um, that, that, that era. Yeah. So I always find myself reading some of these older, you know, fishing the Adirondacks in the 1930s and French Louis and all this other stuff for somebody like you, that's grown up up there and stuff. Do you, any of, any of the old history books or the old story books about the Adirondacks? Do you th- do, are you like ah, I've had enough of that, or do you still yearn? Do you still yearn to read oh. or, read or hear more? Oh, no, I'm, about I'm, history I've always, up there. You know what? I, I can't tell you how many times I've read French Louis, and uh, same thing with Rondo. The you know Noah Rondo's book. Uh, you know, um, it's it's fascinating history because it's the area, you know, and uh, um, and it's mm-hmm. really not that long ago, you know that. Uh, if you go to Speculator, you can go. Uh, French Louis' grave is right there in the middle of town, at uh, um, over behind Charlie John's store is where it is. I've been by it, you know. I've gone to it a yeah. couple of times. Just you know, and uh, Rondeau died. Uh, gosh, I think it was in the late fifties or early sixties. He died. You know, um, and those yeah. guys, you know, they were they were true Adirondack characters, no question. And, um, and Inlet had their fill too, you know. Inlet had, uh, I, and I remember him. Um, hold on, Jap Day, his name was. His real name was Jasper Day, and he lived down on Six Lake Creek, uh, right down where the canoe carry is. There was a house he had there, and and I I can still picture him. He came into our grocery store numerous times, you know, all the time, and he was about as big around as a coke bottle, you know. But, but he always had his pack basket, and uh, yeah, and uh, I will say a certain oh dear about that pack basket. It was just about passed out when you went by it, but you know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know, and, uh, and there were two guys like that. Did so? Did he? So so did this guy? Um, he, did he live uh, kind of in the woods? Oh Is that, yeah, was that I mean, the deal? well, I shouldn't say. In the, yes, yes, and no. I mean, he lived down. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Very pretty primitive. In his right? last. You know, when he got sick, my dad was kind of taking care of him. He would go up and, you know, bring him dinner. Um, you know, my dad would always say, I can't eat before I go or I'll get sick. And then when he got back, he couldn't eat because <laughs> you know, he, he lost his appetite, yeah. you know. But, uh, you know, and, uh, oh, if man. you take that, oh. um, there's a cross-country ski trail that goes right up by the bridge there, goes up into the woods. And there used to be, I remember as a kid, we used to, it was Jap Day's Sucker Pond. There was a, a dam there, um, and it held the water back up on top of the hill. There was a spring that came down into it, and he kept his suckers there for trapping bait, you know, and fish. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But, no kidding. So uh, I was going to, um, if you don't mind, I, I, you talked a little sure. bit about the winter weather and stuff, and we'll, we'll <laughs> leave that one, uh, let it lie, and get in a little bit to the to some of the, the warmer month types of type of uh, seasons and how things have yeah. changed. Um, you and I have both lived oh, through yeah. the acid rain thing. And, you know, a lot of people that listen to the podcast sure. are interested in fishing and stuff. I remember you <laughs> talking about shooting fish in the channel. Wow. I mean, <laughs> so if you could, if you could, that's okay. I've done some stupid things too. Um, if you could tell a couple stories, maybe a little bit about, uh, you know, fish, fishing, <laughs> animals, you know, in the summertime and stuff. I just saw a thing that you had. You oh, saw, yeah. I think you saw some moose yeah, over... recently too, right? Can you talk a little bit about some, sure. a little bit about well, wildlife? Well, you know, in stuff? the springtime when the, when the trout would, we live right there on the channel between 4th and 5th Lake, and the trout would spawn. You'd see the rainbows would come up, and, um, you know, they'd make their nest to lay their eggs in and stuff. And my father, you know, he'd go up and get the deer right his gear rifle it was 35 remington which i have now and you know you didn't have to hit the fish but the concussion of the bullet hitting the water next to the fish would stun them so we my dad would do that and then my brothers and i would be down with a landing net downstream and 
that's how we got fish for dinner. You know, that was uh, and a, a similar, you know, we had a, you know, one of those old wire minnow traps, you know, with the cones ends on them, you know, the, the, the minnows can get in, but they can't get out. Except we had one that was, I think it was mm-hmm. like seven or eight feet long, made out of chicken wire. And I said it was hanging, our, it was hanging in our cellar forever uh, underneath the grocery store. And I, I said to my dad one day, I said, you know, what, what is that? He goes, well, you heard of minnow trap? I said, yeah. He goes, well, you got a fish to eat. He said, you know, you, you fill that with a can, take cans of corn and put your minnow trap down there, or actually a trout trap is what it was, you know, you'd, and they would d- dump corn in it and put it down the bottom of the lake and come back a couple of days later and have your fish, <laughs> you know. So I'm not going to waste time going out there wow. on the boat. <laughs> I got other things to do. <laughs> right. I got, I got you know, stuff to do. Uh, right. So we've seen, we've, and it's really hard to find um, yeah. rainbows yeah. in there anymore. Um, you know, I actually just talked to the fisheries biologists about landlocked salmon and stuff, and it wasn't a very encouraging conversation. But um, so yeah. trout fishing, though, you and I are both are both uh, trout anglers, and uh, we you you've seen populations or seen the fish oh. catching up there. Yeah, it was good, got really bad, and then and now maybe is getting is getting better again. I think a lot of people. Yeah, well, I think can, so. What's you your know, opinion when, on that? When, uh, again, when we had the store, we always weighed up fish for the Genesee Beer Fishing Contest they ran every year, and um, you know, like out on Fourth Lake, uh, I think the biggest fish, the biggest fish I ever weighed up from Fourth Lake was twenty, like twenty four, twenty five pounds, and Stanley Trinkus had caught it. Um, you know, and. and there were Stanley, there were Stanley Trinkus and Andy Trinkus. Uh, Ernie Donovan was another one. He'd be out fishing. Uh, Freddie Martin. These guys would go out, you know, at days. Yeah. They would, you know, they would be out there from, yeah. they'd be out there at dawn and come back in at noon and go out, you know, and later on and go out until after dark. And, they were, you know, those guys, you don't see the, mm-hmm. you know, you don't see that type of fishermen up here anymore. Uh, and that's not to say the fish aren't no. here. They're here. Uh, they've come back, I think. Uh, the brook trout, you know, is you know, the brook trout have really made a uh, a, a big resurgence up here. Um, the yeah, the same. You talk about the landlocked salmon that's... now. If you go to Six Lake Creek in the spring, they they run in there full bore. You know, right there by the bridge. Uh, you know, it's my son mm-hmm. Mike. He caught. I don't know. I think he caught like 15 or 16 last year and kept two. Oh, we're all said and done. You know, um, but wow. you know, I haven't seen the smelt run um, like we used to when we were kids, you know, and I think that has to do, I think that has to do, believe it or not, with especially with the introduction of tiger muskies and northern pike into the chain, the lower chain, you know, um, I think they played a big mm-hmm. part in that. Uh, that's not to say they don't run, but they yep. don't run like they used to. You know, they used to run during the daytime. Uh, the, the channel there between 4th and 5th would be right chuck full of them. And... You know, there's been a, there's been some speculation and some studies also that have yeah. suggested that salting in the, uh, the highways in the, in the yeah. Um, on the road. Yeah, because, uh, well, that the stream that goes into 6th uh, or 7th. That oh, crosses well, Route 28. Uh, I know that they yeah. did some studies on that, and the the sure. salt no, content were, was high. And, and uh, you know, because you could always pretty bad. You know, you go smelting, and then after you went smelting, then the perch would run, um, and then the suckers would run. And I haven't. I, I think last year I saw one sucker in the channel. You know, from the bridge. Um, that was it. Two or three smelt, not much at all. Now, of course, then again, yeah, you know, but... when I was growing up, there was. You know, and the guys would be, they would catch garbage cans full of them, you know, and why, I don't know, because after you clean a bucket full, you say, that's enough of that, you know, but, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, but, you know, but otherwise, yeah. I mean, the, like I say, the brook trout fishing, I think has come back really well, um, especially, you know, like where I like to fish, you know, where I like to fish and I'm not going to say where it is, but it's, it's all yeah. native trout. It's yeah, not, I wouldn't not, say, you know, um, and that. Bodes well, you know, for the health of that stream, um, you know, and I, and I would dare say, yeah, you know, the, that a lot of the wilderness streams are like that, you know, I think, 
you know, you're not going to go out in the street. If you catch a, a 12 inch brook trout in streams, that's a, that's a good sized fish up here. Uh, yes. Yeah. And we find we're, we're finding too, from the studies that we're doing that small stream brook trout, even back in the right. heyday, that's right. what that that's what it was like. It was the, it was back, sure. you know, you know, back in the turn of the century and then in, in the twenties yeah. and thirties was, uh, the bigger streams that had, sure. big, you know, the bigger pools right. that you could pull fish out that were a couple pounds. That we maybe, don't, we don't yeah. see that yet, I hope but so. maybe you we know. will. I hope we do. Um, you know, but um, how about the how about these uh, these big <laughs> four legged creatures that you're starting to see oh, up well, there? What's, the, what's the story with those? Calf last year um, on my trail camera. Um, walked right by it. Matter of fact, she then she came back and sniffed it and nudged it with her nose. But obviously she didn't know what it was, and not that it bothered her anyways. And then um, last fall, uh, deer hunting, I pushed a bull moose out on a drive. I saw him go right down through the woods, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, they're Did around. Did you really? Um, uh, it's, you know, over by Big Moose, Stillwater area, that whole Independence River area, um, there's a pretty good population there. And there's really not much of a predator for them except for maybe in the springtime the bears might go out might would go after a calf you know but other than that i think they'd be hard pressed Mm -hmm. i think mom would do a number on the bear before you know i think they'd lose interest before they yeah well you know i a good my good friend chris murphy is in lives in vermont and in southern vermont the ticks have killed the the most pretty bad yeah yeah, they uh, they will find moose that are. He has a term for them. I want to say they're like these ghost ghost moose or something. But they're like they're white or gray because they really have been sucked uh, pretty dry. And it's typical. And I've been to a couple forums on this that it that when there's a, a tick infestation on a on a moose in an area, I can't believe that this is true. That they will count fifty ticks in a square inch. So I lost Greg for a minute there. He got a phone call from the side-by-side dealer about his winch and stuff. So he had to grab that call. We jump back on the podcast and here we go talking again about moose. Okay, we're back. Okay. All right, here we go. So we were talking a little bit about moose, yep. right? And you guys are, are seeing some. I thought that I saw something on Facebook that you saw one this year. Did you or no? Was that, was that you? I did see one this year. My wife and I saw one, believe it or not, at Quiver Pond. Uh, we were coming back up from Old Forge and just nope. happy. To, yeah. Really? It was far side of the pond out there in the lily pads crossing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Was, I, usually, uh, I usually burn the coal a little bit going through there sometimes. Yeah. You know, slow it down. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Greg, there's also some kind of elusive animals that um, that we have run into, too. Um, I, I don't know if, if it was ever proven or, or what, but didn't Jeff lost the dog to a cat, right? He, he lost it to, uh, well, we thought it was, believe it or not, we thought it was a mountain lion, Yeah, uh, you know, beagle hunting over to camp. And, uh, it, it, the, he took a picture of what killed the, you know, of the wound of the dog and it had grabbed him by the throat. Um. And he showed that to a couple of guys from DEC and they said, Oh yeah, a cat will do that. You know, they'll, they'll take a dog, they'll take an animal by the throat. Now I got to be honest with you though. That being said, a friend of mine sent me a link um, the other day of a bobcat taking down a mule deer, which I didn't think they would take an animal that big. And, and I've got a video of just last week I was out on watch at my stand and I had a bobcat come up to me within 20 feet. Um, I got him. I got a video clip of it. I'll send it to you. And, uh, that is, he, you know, in the in the last three weeks, because I've been talking to some different people with these podcasts, mm-hmm. that is the third story about about a bobcat that I have heard. Oh, which I believe, the, by the way, I, I'm saying that the yeah. environment is changing, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is. You know, we, we've had more, um, you know, we hunt rabbits, um, but, and we've had more rabbits this last few years around camp than I can ever remember. Um, we've had, uh, 
fishers. Um, I've got fishers on my cameras. I've got ermine. Uh, I, I sat there the other night and watched two different ermine running around because, you know, of course, especially this year, there's a lot of mice, squirrels, and chipmunks. And consequently, you're going to, I think you're going to see an uptick in that kind, you know. Yeah. In, and that kind of population. What is the, the deal with the mice this year? Has anybody explained that? I, I have no idea. You know, I'm, I've caught them in the, you know, I put up one of those bucket traps, you know, with a yeah Coke, Coke can on a coat hanger yeah. with peanut butter. And I put one in camp on, sun, on a Sunday. And I went over to camp on, I think it was Wednesday, and there was already 12 mice in it. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know. Um, Have you heard the same stories that this has been a bad year for mice? Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, I mean, my oldest son John, he's down in Forestport. I don't know. He's up over two hundred mice in his garage, and what he does is he'll take them and catch them, and then, he, you know, in a trap, and then he puts them out on a log, and then the next day they're all gone. I said, well, it could be owls. That's another. I haven't heard. I have heard more owls this year than I've ever heard at night up here. Wow, that's wow. interesting. I never thought about the food chain. Also, I've got yeah, uh, yeah, of yeah. of uh, those types of predators that are right. probably going to spike population wise. I've got a friend, Mark Usick, and I have oh, yeah. a, have a friend. Um, she's she knows a lot about owls and she can spot them. I'm hoping to do a podcast with her soon too. I'm, I'll be interested to ask her the question about the mice and what she thinks is sure. going to happen with the owl population. But um, right. you so know, I've, I've heard. Well, with the owls, that uh, there's been a big population boom in snowy owls in Canada over the last couple of years, and they're pushing them down this way. And people have been seeing the snowy owls around too. Wow! You know? So I, I've never been able to to I call them and stuff, and I hear them. I've never mm-hmm. been able to find them though. I I don't I don't know if there's a knack to it. I'm hoping that Adrian yeah. explains to us how she she has pictures of screech owls and. Yeah, on uh, horned oh. owls and snowy owls and stuff, and sure. she's just got a knack for it. But um, do you see that you hear them? But have you seen them too? Oh yeah, I've seen them here around our house a um, couple times. You know, coming back at night, like going out to dinner, I, I, we had one swoop down and grab a. It must have been a mouse crossing the driveway or something, but it, it just came out of the trees and swoop gone. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. That's cool. Oh. That's cool. A lot well, I was going to tell you with a bobcat, I mean, he, yeah, he got within please. 20 feet of me before he turned sideways and walked away. He was never really scared. He was never startled. Uh, but he's a, you'll see it when I send you the clip. Uh, he's a big cat. I mean, I definitely think that cat could take a deer. And do bobcats have the, the short tail? Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's called the bob, you know, bobcat, bob, they have the bobtail. Yeah. Know. Right. Because lynx have a short tail too, right? They do, and a lynx has a different ear. Lynx have a tuft of fur that kind of X's at the tip of their ears. That's right. Yeah. And they have a bigger foot, like because they're they're built for snow, almost you know like a snowshoe kind of thing. You know, they, yeah. they have a bigger pad on their foot. So they can stand. Have you ever seen one of those? I've never seen a lynx up here. Um, coyotes. Um, they say there's no wolves up here, but I kind of beg to differ with that because I just. I've had too many experiences to say that is not a coyote. You know? I have as well, and I've also <laughs> seen tracks that uh, right that are about that look like they're it's either a huge German Shepherd or something else. Exactly. You know, I have too, and I, you know, I mean, they say also, and you talk to certain people in DEC, and they say, oh, coyotes don't travel in packs where wolves do. Well, I got proof that they do because I've got coyotes on my camera three, four at a time going down the road together, you know, one of the road yeah. camp roads, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I believe so, it. Yeah. So, so, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, if you have another story, please. No, no, I was just going to say, I think the, the wildlife patterns have changed up here mm-hmm. um, for a couple of reasons, because, you know, what, like, take, for instance, people don't trap like they used to, like my dad and my grandfather trapped to make, you know, to get extra money. Yeah. People, very few people do that anymore. Um, so consequently, you're seeing an uptick in things like the beaver population, uh, you know, muskrats. Uh, the the my friend of mine, he's a pastor of the church here in town. He traps, and he just he just finally got a coyote this year. He's he was happy about that. He's got him before, but this is the first one he's got this year. You know, um, but you know, I, I think that's 
one of the reasons you're seeing an uptick in those animals because people don't go after them like they used to. Um, mm-hmm. The same thing with the deer. People don't hunt like they used to. You know, when I was growing up, hunting season, you'd think they were giving away gold in the woods. There would be cars and trucks parked all over the place. You know, guys hunting and they don't do that anymore. You know, they're yeah. in the hunting camps, you know, we had that article in Adirondack Life, the hunting camps, um, I, I hate to say it, they were kind of a dying breed, you know, which is unfortunate because it's a whole nother, you know, it's just another kind of Adirondack tradition that's kind of dying out. Yeah, I know. I think that uh, as a young, um, well, I'm not young, but I'm, I, I have kids that are younger. So sure. I will say a newer parent. Um, it is so easy to get caught in the minutia of, of stuff that oh, you got to get your kids into. Oh, absolutely. And I'm just, a, I was just as guilty as anybody, you know, my, my daughter, our youngest daughter, you know, she started with basketball and dance and shoot, she, and then when she stuck with the basketball all the way up through high school, but it was year round, you know? Yeah. And it's, you said, and then uh, I, and I'm, one night I finally said, when she, I think she's seventh grade, I said, take, I don't care if you pick dance. I don't care if you pick basketball, but we're only doing one. Because, yeah. you know, you're out every night and, and it ain't cheap. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. Well, and then the other side of it, too, is, you know, I don't. What are they missing? Right. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I sent you that picture of my daughter, you know, this year. She'd never been trout fishing. So we went over to camp and fished and son of a gun. You know, she catches a 14 and a half inch brook trout. Yeah, on a little cool. Zebco rod reel with, with a, bo- a worm and a bobber. And I'm like, uh, you kidding that's awesome. me? But no, just, it's great. Uh, no, it is. You know, and I, and, and I think she literally got a fishing bug on now because she, she's really kind of antsy to learn more about what, how to fish, you know? Yeah. I think there's a, you know, we, we did a podcast the other day about COVID and stuff and what it's done. And yeah. um, there could be a chance here that, that with all these things that are happening in our lives that generations like my own that are, you know, 30, 40 years old mm-hmm. are realizing that the time that we get our kids outside in the, in the woods is really, it's really good for them. Absolutely. So, you know, who knows, maybe things will start to turn around a little bit, but I, 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 I think the dying of the hunting camp is not necessarily by choice. It's it, well, it is by choice, but it's been um, an indirect effect of what we've done to be so busy. Sure. Oh yeah. And I hate that word. I hate well, the but word busy. No, it's true. You know, I, I think back of, again, when I was growing up, um, every, every boy in town was involved with boy scouts and cub scouts mm-hmm. and, and that's gone. Yeah. You know? And we were, you know, I mean, we, we were uh, the forest ranger, Gary Lee, the forest ranger in town, he was our scout leader. Um, and the local, Encon officer, he was George Searing at the time. He was the assistant scout leader. And we were out all the time. We were camping in the winter, you know, 10 below zero. It didn't make a difference. We were out camping, you know, and we would go do trail maintenance and things like that. You know, Gary would have us on there. <laughs> one, yeah. We did a two week camp out up on Stillwater Reservoir, and the state had just bought this big chunk of land up above uh, Witch Hopple Lake and Lake Clear up in there, Clear Lake salmon lake up in that area and i just i remember distinctly it was a seven mile hike in and seven miles back and we did it in a day everybody had to carry a can of yellow paint you know for so they could mark the boundary when they got up in there and um we were some tired little boy scouts when we got back to the the campsite that night we did probably did it on purpose because he tired us out so we we'd shut up and go to sleep it was (laughs) 14 miles is long way it was a long haul but we you know but again, those kids, you know, like my, my youngest son, Mike, he started the Fulton Chain Trifecta. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, he started it, uh, if you hiked Bald Mountain, Black Bear, and Rocky Mountain, you can sign up to be on the roster. And then for five ninety nine or whatever it is, or six ninety nine, you can get a patch that says Fulton Chain Trifecta on it. With a That's cool. It. And uh I mean, in this year, he has been so busy with that. You know, I mean, he works for the town also, but he's been, you know, doing paperwork and getting the rosters already. And this summer, you, you know, you could, you saw, I'm sure. You oh go, God! You go by Rocky Mountain, and there'd be a hundred cars parked there. Yeah, you know? I know. Bald Mountain too. Bald Mountain be crazy. Yeah, you know, shoot. So, um, so Greg, the million I got. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna leave you with this one. It, 
in regards to growing up and all of this stuff that you've been exposed to and being up there now as an adult in, in I, I often use the words reflection and contemplation and thinking about it. How has that made you? What does that, what did that do for you? You know, well, I, I think one of the things it's done, it makes you appreciate, um, it makes you appreciate, you know, God's creation. It really does, you know, and, and, I, and I won't get religious about it because I'm sure some people would be offended. It's okay. Well, they don't have to listen. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it really does, you know, and, and, and especially coming back, uh, you know, you know, you know, when you're growing up here and you're working here, you know, and you're trying to make a living. And we've all said the same thing, you know, you got to leave it to come back and appreciate it, you, you know, and um, which like inlets changed in the sense that I think more, it's, it's getting to be more and more of a retirement community, you know, um, yeah. you know, you look around and, and it's, and it's, unfortunately, that's kind of the way it is. There's really the only industry per se is you either work for the town or, you know, a state highway or you, you're a private contractor. And that's pretty much it. You know, I mean, there's a few odds and ends here, you know, the tourists as far as, you know, like uh, Screaming Eagle, you know, restaurants and things like that. But uh, for the most part, um, you know, it's it's the influx of retirees and the snowbirds and all that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I you know what, it, coming back up here, I really do appreciate it. And I've said numerous times, you can't change the weather. You got to learn to embrace it no matter what it is, you know. It's not going to be sunny every day. And those sunny days that happen, you know, or the snow, it makes you really appreciate it. It really does, you know. And, mm-hmm. and, I, mm-hmm. and again, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, my brothers and I, we, ne- we never grew up. When we grew up, we never slept. When we were growing up, we never slept indoors from Memorial Day to Labor Day. We always slept outside on our front porch, you know, upstairs. You know, we had beds out there, and that's where we stayed. Um, and it didn't make a difference with the way. It would be snowing in the Memorial Day weekend. We we slept outdoors. Now, mm-hmm. um, maybe that made us. Did it make you? And I think this is another thing too: is you're comfortable outside. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I'm not saying sleeping outside, but well, I mean, like, yeah, you know, you, you a lot woods, of people are, yeah. are apprehensive to be in the woods. You're you are comfortable being in the woods, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, I think my dad and my grandfather both guided. Uh, you know, hunting you know, hunting trips and stuff for guys. And, um, you know, you, and, you, and he taught me how to use a compass and then being in Boy Scouts and things like that taught you, you know, basic woodsmanship. And, you know, I mean, there's nothing out there to be scared of. I mean, there's nothing out there. There's no boogeyman out there per se, I guess. I mean. Right. But but you had to be outside on a regular oh, basis. Constant. to Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, some of the stuff we would, you know, looking back on it, I guess it was pretty stupid. But, you know, when the ice was getting ready to go out of Fourth Lake, we would go down uh, by the beach there and we would basically chip off big chunks of floating ice and float around on them, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, looking back on it, you know, it was it was stupid to do because, uh, you know. You, well, you're telling the story, you know, so you made it. it. It is what it is. But, you know, we were always – outdoors all of us everybody all the kids i grew up with we were never inside shoot you know it was right. nothing that you know you you have wet wool pants and wet wool gloves and you know but that's just the way it was you just you know suck it up <laughs> so, yeah you know i know i've got to do a lot of a lot more of that with parker because he doesn't um i i don't I don't because I don't really like going out when it's wet and cold and crappy. Right. I don't take him out that much, but sure. you know he's also you know four and a half, so yeah. Uh, I don't want him wandering around too much. No. But I will say, I think it was Labor Day or around Labor Day, I took him uh, up towards Racket Lake, mm-hmm. and we brought the jeep and and we went. Essentially, I wanted it didn't go far, but I wanted to get him off a trail. Right. And we went to find a creek, and for, for like a good. 50 feet he was like i had to hold his hand to step over a stick and I had, you know i had to make sure i was moving the branches and and after uh after 100 feet he started to understand he was going to get whacked in the face a little right. bit. and after right. a couple hundred feet it was like he would put his hands down on the mossy you got you get, log and he'd get dirty exactly. and he would climb over the log right and it just took time yes. and i think that that's probably one of the messages that 
we can gain from this. I try to have something come out of all of these things. That's why the podcast is called In the Seam is because it's usually out on the fringes is where is where really the the secrets are. And um, I was just doing a little bit with other people to get them outside on a regular basis can do a lot for them in the, when they are older. Sure. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, you know, last night I, I was over to hunting camp and I mean, my wife says, I don't like you going over there by yourself. I said, well, you know, I, and I've shown her where my stand is and there's a couple of spots on the Stillwater Road where you can get phone reception, which is good and bad. But I'll, you know, I'll call her on the way into camp and let her know that I'm where I'm going. And then on the way out, I'll give her a call to let her know I'm on my way out, you know, but you know, yeah. I was the only one there. I mean, you know, and I'm back in the woods where there is nobody else. Yeah. But that being said, you know what? <laughs> said you got to die someplace. So uh, I know. You know. I well, it's it's you know just like, like you said, there's nobody else, and then at the same token, there's nobody else. What? You want to be. That's why you want to be there sometimes. Well, you know? yeah, you know, those are these, so. these are experiences that I've had. Uh, you know, like. Like, just like I said last week with the bobcat coming up, you know, I mean, if there was a bunch of guys standing out, that cat wouldn't have been around, you know, and right. I've had, right. you know, and I get more of a kick out of that stuff like that than anything else, you know, as far as wildlife. Um, yeah, it's nice to shoot a deer, but guess what? It's, I probably, I've seen more deer and let them walk by me than, than I've ever shot. And, and with, <laughs> it's a lot of work to dress well, for, too. Well, that's it. When the stops <laughs> is when the work begins, you know. I know, I know, but well, Greg, I really do appreciate it very, very much. This is going to be fun to put together. Okay. I think a lot of people will enjoy it, and um, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about other ideas yeah. on this. And as soon as I get it done, I'll send it to you. Can you can you close up just talking that you got two businesses? Can you just kind of do a little plug sure. on those quick? Uh, one of our businesses is ABK Little Cabins. Uh, we have four cabin rentals. They're Brand, I say they're brand new. They're well now they're two years, three years old, but uh, they're all self-contained units with uh, full. We rent year-round. Um, you know, full kitchen, uh, bedroom with a king-size bed that'll split to two twins, a pull-out couch that'll open up into a twin, and also uh, there's a pull-out ottoman that comes out into a twin, so you can sleep four adults, um, and then. Uh, Again, we rent to snowmobilers in the season. Uh, we rent for the season to snowmobilers. And then uh, we rent from, I think, from 1st of May, we start with weekend or weekly rentals, whatever. We do a two-night minimum. And then uh, the other business we have is I have a pottery studio with a shop. Um, and there's no real name to it. It's just Greg Rudd Pottery. And my wife, um, she sells her jams and jellies. I sell my pottery. I have a friend that does rustic furniture. I have his stuff here. Uh, we have um, my brother's, I can't call her girlfriend. It's now his fiance because we're getting married next summer. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I could make, I okay. make so many comments, but I won't do that. Uh, <laughs> okay. uh, we have her cards that she makes. She makes cards, you know, Christmas cards and greeting cards. So that's right on the property yeah, it's, there? That it's shop. right here. Actually, it's in the cellar of my house. Half of my, one cool. half of the cellar is my studio, where I am right now. Actually, I'm sitting here looking at the stuff I got to get going on. And then the other half is the shop with uh, all sorts of stuff in it, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll make sure that we put some links and stuff sure. in there. Um, if you, you know, you can... Uh, Send me some of that information. I'll put some links sure. in there so people can see it. I do appreciate it a well, lot. Thank you. Thanks it was, very, it very fun. much. It really was. Thank you. All Great. Right. All right. Have you a too, great Jordan. day. Talk to you later. Bye. See ya. Bye-bye. Okay, well, that's our podcast with Greg Rudd. Man, that guy's got some great stories, and he just he's just a jolly guy i love his laugh i could listen to it over and over again i think that's one of the reasons i like hanging out with him because he smiles and he laughs and he just is a good guy so if you've got more uh interest in this and and hearing a little bit more about people in the adirondacks and questions and some other ideas on podcasts please uh, message those to us you can put them in the comments or you can email me get a hold of me on facebook instagram whatever it might be Thanks so much for listening. We're having a great time doing this, and I think a lot of people are enjoying it too, which is really uh, why we're doing it. So 
Thanks a lot and have a great day.